0: Welcome to Disciple Making Ministries Podcast. This is your host, David Spirik, broadcasting from Kiev, Ukraine. This is a missionary podcast dedicated to multiplying disciple-making movements internationally. Our vision is to finish the disciple-making movement that Jesus started and passed to his disciples. Our mission is to engage, to establish, to equip, and to empower believers internationally to start their own disciple-making movements among family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and local churches. Our values include being biblical, incarnational, relational, transformational, reproducible, faith-driven, prayer-driven, process-driven, principle-driven, kingdom-driven, and Holy Spirit-driven. Our services arise out of our spiritual gift set of teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, and apostleship. We're glad that you joined our show, and we would like to get to know you better. So drop us a note to introduce yourself and let us know from where you're listening. We welcome ideas for future show topics and guest speakers We are reaching for excellence, so leave us some feedback on our website at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave us a voicemail message on our telephone line at area code 214-377-1107. You may indicate there if you'd like your voice message to be included in future podcast episodes. I'll return in just a few moments with today's main topic. Welcome back to the show. In this first of three segments, we will provide you with four foundational reasons why love is such an essential for disciple making. The basic reason that love is an essential in disciple making is because the very nature of God Himself is love. There are three witnesses that testify to the essential nature of love in God there's the love of the Father, there's the love of the Son. And there's the love of the Holy Spirit. And these three witnesses demand a fourth witness, which is a love that we express in the kingdom of God. So let's dive into these four testimonies to the essential of love in disciple-making. There is a natural, logical kind of love that loves lovely things and lovely people. But there is another kind of love that doesn't look for value in what it loves, but that rather creates value in what it loves, When Rosemary was three years old, she was given a little rag doll, which quickly became an inseparable companion. She had other toys that were intrinsically more valuable, but she loved none more than that little rag doll. Soon, that rag doll became more and more rag and less and less doll. It also became more and more dirty. But if you tried to clean that rag doll, it became more ragged still. Now, the sensible thing to do would be to trash the rag doll, but that was unthinkable, for anyone who loved the little child Rosemary would also love the rag doll. It was part of the package. Love me and love my rag doll, says God, including the one that you see in the mirror. This is the first and greatest commandment. In 1 John 4 8, we read that God himself is love. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In John chapter 3, verse 35, we read that the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. And then in John chapter 3, verse 16-18, through 18, we read that God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, in just three short passages, we've determined that God himself is love, that the Father loves the Son, and the Father loves the world so much that he sent his Son into the world to die for their sins. The love of the Father is amazing, it's awesome, it's powerful. It has an impact in your life that's going to reach out and radically transform you and transform those who are around you. You may be thinking to yourself, why would God love me? I'm such a sinner. I've done so many wrong things. I'm not a very lovely person. I'm like Rosemary's doll. Yet God the Father has great love for his children. I remind you of the story of a father's love in Luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 32. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country and there squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Now I'm sure that many of you out there have experienced the same great love of the father that he has given to you. You recognize that you have strayed and gone your own way. And you have returned to a loving father who has come out of his house and met you on the road and embraced you and kissed you, showing great love for you. Now the story goes on to talk about the second son who did not love the same way that the father loved. The second son was jealous of the father's love for the first son. So which of these two sons are you more like? Are you like the first son who experienced and embraced the love of the father? Or are you like the second son who failed to understand the love of the father for all his children? Now another story is told about true love, sacrificial love, in Ernest Gordon's Miracle on the River Kwai. The Scottish soldiers, forced by their Japanese captors to labor on a jungle railroad, had degenerated to a barbarous behavior. But one afternoon something happened. A shovel was missing. The officer in charge became enraged. He demanded that the missing shovel be produced or else. When nobody in the squadron budged, the officer got his gun and threatened to kill them all on the spot. It was obvious that the officer meant what he had said. Then finally one man stepped forward. The officer put away his gun, picked up a shovel, and beat that man to death. When it was all over, the survivors picked up the bloody corpse and carried it with them to the second tool check. This time, no shovel was missing. Indeed, there had been a miscount of the first checkpoint. The word spread like wildfire through the whole camp, and an innocent man had been willing to die to save the others. This incident had a profound effect. The men began to treat each other like brothers. When the victorious allies swept in, the survivors lined up in front of their captors, and instead of attacking their captors, they insisted, No more hatred. No more killing. No, what we need is forgiveness. Sacrificial love had its transforming result in their lives. I tell you this story because this story parallels the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, Jesus was the perfect picture of love. It was clearly evident to everybody around him that he loved his disciples. Jesus not only loved people in life, but he loved people unto eternal life. Let's read a story in the book of John about the clear and present love of Jesus. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he had said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, "'Let us also go, that we may die with him.'" So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she had heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called her sister Mary, secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So even the Jews were saying, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. Now I read this rather long passage here uh, to illustrate a few points about the love of Jesus. First of all, I want to say that the love of Jesus was evident, was clear to everybody in his day. They saw the love of Jesus in his eyes, they saw the love of Jesus in his heart, they saw the love of Jesus in his actions. But the love of Jesus went far deeper than the heart, the eyes, and the actions. Now the people were confused at why in the world would Jesus delay his coming if he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha so much? Well Jesus delayed because his love goes much deeper than his words. His love even goes much deeper than his actions. No, Jesus' love goes all the way into the heart and radically transforms a person until he's resurrected from the grave. Jesus delayed his coming because he wanted people to see the glory of God, because he wanted people to see the end result of resurrection. Jesus also wanted to demonstrate this miracle God that we have so that others might believe. And Jesus wanted to show that his love goes all the way to the grave and resurrects us from the grave. Do you see how Jesus loved them? Jesus delayed. Jesus wept. And Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus loves us so much that he is going to shout on that day, come forth. It says in Romans 8:38, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, we've seen that the essential essence of the Father is love, and the essential essence of the Son is love, and now we'd like to talk about the essential essence of the Spirit being love. The Father is the one who planned the love, the Son is the one who demonstrated the love, and the Spirit is the one who carries out the love in our lives. Let's read a few verses talking about the love that comes from the Holy Spirit. Romans fifteen thirty through thirty two. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Philippians chapter two verses one through two reads like this. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. The Apostle John connects the Holy Spirit to love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that he is in us, and we are in him, because he has given us his spirit. And then Paul instructs Timothy about the spirit of love in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And then Paul reminds us that one of the fruits of the Spirit is love. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the point I'm trying to make is that the Holy Spirit gives us the love so that we are enabled and empowered to give that love out to others. So we've learned that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have all demonstrated that love is an essential nature of the Godhead. But there's one more witness. It's the witness of the kingdom. And I'd like to illustrate this uh, through Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and that there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask any more questions. The reason why I read this passage is because right here it clearly connects the kingdom of God to loving the Father and loving your neighbors. You out there in the kingdom of God are the fourth witness when you love God and love others. We're going to take a short break and then return to describe a definition of love as well as explain why love is such a powerful force in this world in which we live.
1: My heart is overwhelmed And I cannot hear your voice I hold on to what is true Though I cannot see If the storms of life that come And the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in faith I will believe I remind myself of all that you've done In the life I have, because of Your Son, love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am Yours. I am forever Yours. Mountain high, valley low, I sing. I remind my soul. I am Yours. I am forever yours When my heart is filled with hope And the promise comes my way When I feel your hands of grace Rest upon me Staying desperate for you, God Staying humble at your feet I lift these hands in praise I will believe I remind myself of all that you've done And the life I have because of your son the Love came down and rescued me the Love came down and set me free I am yours, I am forever yours mountain high, valley low Sing and remind my soul, I am yours, I am forever yours, and I am yours, and I am yours for all my days, Jesus. I'm forever yours, and I am yours, and I am yours for all my days. Forever yours Love came down and Rescued me Love came down and Set me free I am yours I am forever yours Mountain high A valley low I sing out Remind my soul I am yours I am forever yours
0: Welcome back to our show. In this segment we'd like to provide you with a definition of love and then we'd like to describe some reasons why love is such a powerful instrument in this world for making disciples. So what is love? Well a dictionary definition of love is a profound, tender, passionate affection for another person a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection, such as for a parent, a child, or a friend, or to have a strong liking for something, such as to like music, or to have sexual passion or desire. The Greek language uses three separate words for love, phileo, eros, and agape. Of course, the love that we're talking about in this episode is the agape form of love. This agape love is represented by non-partial, sacrificial love that is not dependent upon return love from the other person. When defining love, people usually go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is called the love chapter. I read, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. So in this passage, there is a list of 15 characteristics of love. Let's look at these a little more closely. Love is patient. Patience means enduring trying circumstances without protest or complaint. We all experience trying circumstances in our lives, but the question is, are we enduring through the circumstances without protest or complaint? This reminds me of the Israelites who were in the desert, who constantly complained and argued and protested about their situation before Moses. The Israelites were clearly not experiencing the love of God at that time. The second in the list is that love is kind. Kindness means having a tender and compassionate, helpful nature, being considerate, or being generous. As we go in this world, we find out that uh, this world is largely not generous, and not considerate, and not helpful, and not tender towards people around them. And then the Bible says that love does not envy. What is envy? Envy is a feeling of grudging admiration. It's a desire to have something possessed by another. It's being covetous. Are you desiring something that someone else has? Are you desiring maybe a position? Are you desiring maybe possessions? Are you desiring maybe power? Are you desiring people? If you're desiring something that someone else possesses, then chances are you are not living in the light of the love that the Holy Spirit has put into your heart. The next on the list is that love does not boast. To boast means to speak of oneself in superlatives, or to have a proud or ostentatious mannerism, or to brag about oneself. Do others find you bragging about yourself? Are you speaking of yourself more highly than you ought to? The next on the list is love is not arrogant. Now arrogance is having or showing feelings of unwarranted importance or being haughty or insolent. I'm sure you know of some arrogant people out there in this world. The arrogant people think that they are always right. The arrogant people always look at themselves as being higher than you. The arrogant people have their noses turned up at you. Jesus Christ was not arrogant. In fact, Jesus was humble to the point of dying on a cross. The next on the list is that love is not rude. Rudeness is lacking good manners or civility. It's lacking in refinement or in grace. It's being disrespectful or discourteous towards others. Is your life characterized by lacking in refinement or lacking in grace? The next on the list is that love does not insist on its own way. To insist means to be emphatic about one's own way, or to demand, or to press. Now, how many of you out there have ever been around someone who has to have their own way all the time? For the person who has the love of Jesus Christ in their hearts is able to live and operate when things don't go their particular way. The next on the list is that love is not irritable. Now, to be irritable means to be easily annoyed or sensitive about something. To be cranky, or impatient, or testy. Have you ever experienced someone who's cranky, impatient, or testy? The very slightest thing can set them off, and they become very angry, and they attack you. Chances are they are not experiencing the love of Christ at that moment in their lives. The next is that love rejoices with the truth. Love is always going to be bent towards the truth because God is truth. Those who love God rejoice in the truth. They are upset about deception, about lies, about falsehoods. Are you rejoicing in the truth? Or are you living some of the lies that that the world and Satan are pouring out your direction? Now the next on the list is that love bears all things. Love goes the long distance. Love endures through the difficulties, through the challenges, the trials in life. Love is patient. Are you demonstrating a character of patience? Are you demonstrating a character of perseverance? Are you demonstrating a character of endurance? The next on the list is that love believes all things. In an earlier episode, we talked about the importance of faith or the essential of faith in discipleship. And faith and love are connected. Love always has faith. The next on our list is that love hopes all things. Love is optimistic about the future love has the end goal in mind love is steady when everything seems to be crashing around because there is hope in the person's life do you have a hope that endures for all seasons in all situations the next on the list is that love endures all things this means that love persists love puts up with another love continues it may be difficult to continue in a relationship with somebody who doesn't love you back But real love will persist to the end. Real love will put up with that person. Real love will continue all the way. And the last on the list is that love never ends. We can be glad that the love of God never ends towards us. It's a sure thing. It lasts into eternity. It's forever. This brings us peace. This brings us security. This brings us joy. This brings us hope. And this produces love in us. Finally, I would like to say that uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. This is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Perfect love drives out fear. You know, songs have been written about every topic imaginable, but it seems like the best ones have been written about the ups and downs of being in love. Just listen to a radio station and you'll find out that there's just hundreds and hundreds of songs on the topic of love. Seems like everybody's talking about love and everybody's singing about love, but there's not very much love in this world. Why is the world lacking in love? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons that the world is lacking in love today. Let me just mention a few that I ran across in the, in the Bible while studying for this uh, podcast episode. Many are loving the darkness. John 3.19 says, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Many are loving their own little world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Many are loving money. 1 Timothy 6.10 warns, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Many are loving their masters. Luke 16.13 describes, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Many are loving their positions more than God. Luke 11.43 says, Luke 11.43 says, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the chief seats in the synagogues and the respected greetings in the marketplaces. They love their position in religious settings and in society more than they loved God. Many are loving their appearance. Luke 20, 46-47 reminds us, Be aware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at their banquets, who devour widows' houses and for appearances' sake offer long prayers. You know, Paul explained to Timothy that in the last days there would be a real lack of authentic love in the world. In 2 Timothy 3, 1-5, we read, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. So, in the world, you've got people who love the darkness, who love evil, who love the world, who love money, who love masters, who love positions, who love appearances, and who love themselves rather than God. Well, no wonder that true love can be a powerful instrument in making disciples and expanding the kingdom of God. You don't find love anywhere in this world. Last night in one of my small home discipleship groups here in Ukraine, I was talking with a guy from Iraq, and he said that in Islam they have 99 names for their God, but love is not one of the names of their God. There is a real love deficit in this world that can be filled with the love of Jesus Christ. You, my disciple-making friend out there, have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to love others into the kingdom of God. So get out there and do it. Get out there and love your disciples like Jesus Christ loved his disciples. Well, we're going to take one final short break and then return to our final segment and answer the question, how are you disciple-makers to practically love your disciples? So stay with us. I'd like to take a few moments to share about a growing toolbox of products and services here at Disciple Making Ministries. We're excited about how God has been expanding both our audience and our ministry. We maintain a free website and weekly podcast show to help people like you start your own disciple making movements. We're translating discipleship curriculum into multiple languages for free on our website. We're hosting a disciple DiscipleMakers social networking group on Facebook so that you can care and share with one another. We're training DiscipleMakers through a 12-week seminar entitled The Plan, Process, and Principles of Making Disciples. That seminar can be taken either online or in a local venue. We offer ongoing personal discipleship coaching or mentoring relationships through the internet. We're also looking to expand our toolbox of curriculum and resources into additional languages. We're looking to start a program for disciple trainee affiliates. We're looking to build a media studio to produce quality discipleship videos in multiple languages. We value people and partnerships that promote kingdom progress. So if you're interested in helping us reach our vision of finishing the disciple making movement that Jesus started, Then visit our website at www.disciplemakingministries.org. You may also reach us through our telephone at area code 214-377-1107. And now back to the show. Welcome back to the show. This is our third and final segment for today. A man who had been the superintendent of a city rescue mission for 40 years was asked why he had spent his entire life working with dirty, unkempt, profane, drunken derelicts. He said, All I'm doing is giving back to others a little of the love that God has shown to me. As a young man, he himself had been a drunkard who went into a mission for a bowl of chili There he heard the preacher say that Christ could save sinners, and he stumbled forward to accept the Lord Jesus as his Savior. Though his brain was addled by drink, he felt a weight lifted from his shoulders, and from that day he became a changed person. A little later, seeking God's will for his life, he felt the Lord calling him to go back to the gutter and reach people still wallowing there. The power of God's redeeming love enabled him to carry out his ministry for 40 long years. It has been said that love is the measure of faith, the inspiration for obedience, and the real attitude behind discipleship. If you have been made in the image of the Father's love, if you have received the love of Jesus Christ in your heart, if you are walking in the love of the Holy Spirit, you must demonstrate the love of God in your relationships. 1 John 4, 7-8. Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Well, at this point, you may be asking yourself, how do I practically love others in disciple-making? Well, I think that one of the key ways that you can love others in disciple-making is to be rejoicing in the truth and in the plans of God. In John chapter 14, verse 28 through 31, it reads, You have heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you again. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. The point that I'm trying to make is that Jesus perfectly accepted the truth and the plan of God. He was rejoicing in these things. Likewise, the disciple can demonstrate love by rejoicing in the truth and in the plans of God. Are you rejoicing in God's truth and God's plans for your life? Perhaps those plans are different than what you had expected earlier. I know that God has changed my plans a few times along the way. I've had to learn how to rejoice and accept the plans of God for my life. Part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is because God has changed my plans, and I had to accept and rejoice in the truth of the plans of God for my life. So, disciples can demonstrate love by accepting the truth and the plans of God for their life. Secondly, disciple-makers can demonstrate love by by keeping the commandments of Christ, and those commandments are not burdensome. John chapter 14 verse 15 reads, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. First John chapter 5 verse 3 reads, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Are the commandments of God burdensome to you, or are you living out of a life of freedom and expression of love of God, fulfilling the commandments of God naturally out of the power of the Spirit? A true disciple-maker can demonstrate the love of God by fulfilling the commands of God without it being a burden upon his heart. Next, a disciple-maker can demonstrate the love of God by living through the power of Jesus. 1 John 4, 9 reads, By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. We have been given an awesome privilege and opportunity to live through Jesus Christ. Are you just going to church once a week and then forgetting about Jesus? Or are you living through the power of Jesus Christ each and every day of your life? Another way that disciple-makers can demonstrate love practically is to prioritize their relationship with God above other relationships. Matthew ten thirty-seven 37-38 reads, He who loves the father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves the son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Oh, well, this is a powerful reminder that Jesus is to take first place in our lives. Jesus is to take preeminence over our relationships, even in the family life. Another practical way that disciple makers can show love is prioritizing others above personal possessions. Mark chapter 10, verse 21 to 22 says, Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack Go and sell all you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But at these words he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. This is a key principle for practically demonstrating the love of God. is to give things up for the sake of others, to prioritize others above your own personal possessions. Another principle for practically loving as a disciple-maker is to prioritize the eternal above the temporal. John 12:25 reads, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Are you valuing things that are eternal, like relationships? Are you valuing things of the Holy Spirit that will pass into eternity? like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Or are you loving the things that are temporal, that will be one day burned up here on this earth? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Disciple makers can practically love by praying for those who persecute them. In Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36, it reads, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also, and whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Wow, what a powerful reminder to us to love in practical ways. Loving our enemies by giving and not expecting in return. Blessing those who mistreat us. Disciple makers can also practically love others by laying down their lives for their brothers and sisters in Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 14-18, through 18, it reads, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death, but everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does this love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. There are many practical ways that you can demonstrate love to your disciples. You have to love them in deed and in truth. You know, this week I was hit with a situation where one of my disciples needed some money to pay for some medical tests that he was having run. And so I put this principle into practice and gave him some of my resources acting out of deed and out of truth. And I share this with you today, uh, not because uh, I want to glorify myself or anything like that, but because I want to say that this is a practical way that we can actually love Indeed and in truth. Another point is that disciple makers are to love practically by shepherding the sheep that are under their care. John chapter 20, verses 15 through 17 reads So that when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, Tend my lambs. Then Jesus said to him a second time, Simon of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said to him, Shepherd my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And Peter responded, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. The point of this passage is that real practical love is going to be you disciple makers out there loving your sheep. Tending your sheep, taking care of your sheep, spending time with them, protecting them from the evil ones, feeding them, directing them, guiding them, encouraging them, praying for them. There are some real practical ways that you disciple makers out there can use to love the sheep Well, I'll conclude with this verse, 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. You disciple makers out there, go out and do this essential practice of loving your disciples. It's just as essential as faith and prayer. You have to go out there and love your disciples this week. Spend time with them, encourage them, pray with them, feed them, do good actions for them. Go out there and impact your disciples this week. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining our show today. If you have a question about the topic, if you have comments or any feedback, if you have any ideas for future topics or guest speakers, if you'd like to download our free online discipleship curriculum, if you'd like to join our social networking group on Facebook, if you'd like to sign up for our next Disciple Making Webinar, if you'd like to become a patron, sponsor, crowdfunder, or volunteer to help us reach our goal, then start a dialogue with us at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave a message at area code 214 377 1107. We also appreciate positive reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean, as well as sharing the news about our podcast with your family and friends. Join us next week for another engaging episode. This is your host, David Spirik, signing off from Kiev, Ukraine.